From Australia, this is VK1WIA and the weekly WIA amateur radio news service on RF, internet streaming and text at wia.org.au. Welcome to the new year. I'm Graham VK4BB. This is WIA and the National News Service for week commencing January 3rd, 2016 and a boy unconscious after hoverboard accident. A teenager is in a Sydney hospital after falling off his new hoverboard. The 16-year-old was knocked unconscious whilst trying out the board and had to be rushed by ambulance to a waiting rescue helicopter at Eleonora Heights on Sydney's northern beaches. These new-tech, high-tech hoverboards look like skateboards but with larger wheels and are designed to mimic the levitating boards which featured in the smash hit Back to the Future 2. They've been a popular item for youngsters this Christmas and can cost up to $2,000, but they don't actually hover, or do they? In the USA, seconds after Dmitry Popescu first levitated about a foot off the ground at his aerospace company's warehouse, he fell to his knees and screamed, we've really done it. He and his colleagues at Arca Space Corporation had built a mattress-shaped vehicle that hovers in midair and, when its stabilising features are switched off, allows riders to surf on the thrust of three dozen high-speed fans. These spin at 45,000 rotations per minute. The board levitates vertically off the ground, much like a Harrier jump jet. Like the other so-called hoverboards, it's powered by a lithium-ion battery. No, it's not the first actual hoverboard, but unlike the concept device unveiled by luxury automaker Lexus in June, until now the closest anyone had come to a levitating board, this one is for sale. Slated for delivery in April, the company is taking pre-orders for the nearly $2,000 US device. Hospital emergency rooms, beware. During a Dr. Google search on DX and dog piles, up popped this dog-on story. A British couple who paid more than $137,000 to clone their dead dog has just celebrated the birth of two puppies born using Dylan the Boxer's DNA. The Guardian reports it's a pretty controversial occurrence, high-tech to the utmost, but the two puppies, Chance and Shadow, were born December 26 and December 28 in Seoul, South Korea, now to clone that long-dead FT7. Aussie balloons are delight for trackers. The high-altitude Pico Balloon PS57, launched from Melbourne December 12, is expected over South Africa, with stations there already tracking the flight. Meantime, Andy VK3YT reports the earlier PS56 balloon has now completed its second navigation of the Southern Hemisphere. Despite a catastrophic failure of its GPS tracking, and is still floating. For information on how it's being done, see the text edition of last week's VK1WIA broadcast. A lot of interest is being attracted by the PS57 balloon with its solar-powered payload of a 25mW transmitter on Whisper and JT9. Its movement has been closely tracked and reported at more than 9,000 metres in altitude by data transmissions heard in the US and Canada. The tiny party-type balloon slowly floated over Colombia and Venezuela, then the Atlantic Ocean, around the northern end of South America, going parallel to the coast until Rio de Janeiro. By last Wednesday, it had turned east, heading for South Africa, closely watched by at least four trackers in ZS land, where it is expected to exit on its final circumnavigation leg to Australia. 
The latest launch by Andy VK3YT is PS58 that has taken an inland route over East Victoria and is now off Queensland over the Coral Sea. Meantime, a larger scale, Project Horus has floated a Japanese-made red-coloured weather balloon over Adelaide with its up-and-down flight to test telemetry before really hot weather returned. Mark VK5QI and David VK5DGR deemed it a success. Others helped in the tracking of it as well. When it came down, landowners disabled electric fences, opened gates and a flock of sheep looked on curiously as some direction finding of the Ritty payload found it perched two metres up in gum trees. Another Project Horus flight was expected in this round of tests, reported on the Australian Radio Experimenters Group website, areg.org.au. Both the Pico balloons by Andy VK3YT and Project Horus are to be the subject of a two-part feature article in the WIA journal Amateur Radio Magazine. A greatly expanded broadcast team has been announced in VK1 for 2016. Broadcast originators on 2 metres are Amanda VK1WX, Gil VK1GH, Wayne VK1WN and Graham VK1GVC. Canberra also have on board VK2DIG Didge or Graham, VK1OC Owen, Robert VK1ARP and Bob VK1MCK who will conduct callbacks on the Mount Ganini 70cm repeater. So in theory each team will only have to originate or do callbacks once a month. A big thank you for your efforts over the years, CRARC, from all the reporters here at WIA and the National News Service. From the WIA, this is the weekly National News Service, originating from VK1 WIA. WIA board talk, and in a moment, Roger Harrison, VK2 ZRH. Memnet to be enhanced in 2016, yes, the WIA's online membership management system, Memnet, introduced in 2014, is to be further improved to make it even better and, good thing, easier to use. Members who are registered with Memnet are able to receive news and information bulletins, download the digital edition of AR Magazine, participate in the WIA awards program and much, much more. The WIA has received some useful feedback from members who have shared their experience using the membership management system, as well as a number of helpful suggestions to further streamline Memnet to make it even more efficient. Improvements such as allowing members the choice of login using either their call sign or WIA membership number are on the list of software modifications. Work will start early this year and after being thoroughly tested will go live. WIA members will get an email notification when the new release of Memnet is available. Available now is our new callbook. A very popular annual update is this the Australian Radio Amateur Callbook. It also comes with a searchable CD of useful reference material. This 2016 edition has the listings of call signs issued to amateur stations, both individual, repeaters and beacons. The latest band plans in graphical display along with explanatory text are in there as well. With ACMA licensing and regulatory material, it makes an ideal reference source for any radio shack, whether it be at home, mobile or portable. So pick up your copy today. Busy time for the WIA exam service. The month of December, before the WIA National Office closed for the summer holidays, has seen the processing of many assessments and the issue of callsign recommendations. WIA Vice President Fred VK3DAC said the good news for those eager to get on air is that the time taken by both WIA and ACMA, which now invoices using the Spectra system, has been reduced. 
In a four-week period, the WIA exam service issued 73 certificates of proficiency, all needing a new call sign, plus 11 more to returning former radio amateurs wanting to resume amateur radio with its modern and diverse activities. He told the WIA board that during the Christmas holiday period, further streamlining is planned on the work of our volunteer assessors. More news about these minor but important changes is expected to be announced by the WIA within about three months. The WIA office and WIA exam service reopens Monday, January 11. And what a good thing the WIA did get onto this processing before the Christmas break, as the ACMA Radio Communication Licence database appears to have developed a fault, which has impacted the WIA's provision of the available call sign listing on our website. The WIA call sign listing relies on an accurate nightly data feed of licence and data from the ACRA Spectra Licence database. As a result of the fault, regrettably, the WIA has had to suspend the available call sign listing on its website. This problem occurred during a normal summer holiday quiet period for the ACMA, and the problem also evident via the ACMA's online public licence search facility. Work is being carried out to restore the services as soon as possible. This is WIA Director Roger Harrison, VK2ZRH. Happy New Year. As this is the season of old Lang Syne, it sent me thinking about friends and acquaintances in amateur radio from years past. Old Lang Syne is a Scots expression loaded with meanings that most of us forget or have only a hazy recollection of. Wait a minute, Harrison doesn't sound Scottish at all because it's English. And Roger is of Norman, that is, French origin, 1066 and all that. However, my family has connection with the McEwen clan through my grandparents' marriage. Simply put, Old Lang Syne translates to times gone by and is about remembering family, friends and acquaintances from the past and not letting them be forgotten, should old acquaintance be forgot, as the song goes. From the ACMA's Register of Amateur Licensees, it is clear that there are many amateurs who pay their licence fees year in and year out, but are not heard on the air, and are rarely seen at hamfests or club meetings. It is apparent, though, that they maintain an interest in the hobby, but choose to be, or perhaps have to be, inactive for one reason or another. Likewise, there are those who let their licence lapse and have no current call sign, but their interest in amateur radio smoulders beneath the surface nevertheless. It occurred to me quite some time ago that if these amateurs could be encouraged to revitalise their once-burning interest, the hobby would be all the better for it. WIA Vice President Fred Swainston's stint as Administrator in the National Office over recent months has revealed a steady stream of one-time amateurs applying for call signs as the first step in returning to the hobby. If you think about it, there are many situations where you know or discover a colleague or acquaintance once held a call sign. They may well be amenable to being encouraged to return to amateur radio. Personally, I'm in the habit of reading amateur radio magazine print edition on my daily train commute to and from the Sydney CBD. On one occasion, I happened to be sitting next to a fellow traveller who saw me reading AR and struck up a conversation. Before I got off the train, I gave him my copy of AR and encouraged him to take up this hobby once again. Did he do it? I don't know for sure. On another occasion, at a business event, a fellow recognised who I was from my days editing electronics magazines, and he struck up a conversation. 
mostly reminiscences about the good old days, as you do. He went and applied for a new call sign and is now back on the air. Think about this. If each of us who have been in the hobby for some time took the opportunity wherever it arose to encourage a lapsed amateur to return to the hobby, the number of licensees would increase, and so would the number of those active on the air. Here's a project for 2016. Let's call it Bring Them Back. There are more situations where individuals may have let their interest in amateur radio lie dormant, and I've only outlined a few. Look out for the opportunities. You'll be doing something positive for the hobby. This is WIA Director Roger Harrison, VK2ZRH, for VK1WIA News. From Australia, this is VK1WIA and the weekly WIA amateur radio news service on RF, internet streaming and text at wia.org.au. What use is an F-call? I've just built myself version 1.0 of a Raspberry Pi SDR. It still has some way to go until I can show it off. Needs a touchscreen, a power supply that runs on 12 volts, some user interface elements, but the functionality is there. If you're unfamiliar with the nature of a Raspberry Pi, it's a single board computer, the size of a credit card. Has Ethernet, USB, HDMI, audio, video and a micro SD card slot. My version comes with 512 megabytes of memory. It's 17 millimeters high. This is a tiny, fully functional computer. From a geek perspective, it's running a version of Debian Linux called Raspbian. It's the same version of Debian as my main computer, Wheezy, which means that everything you have on your main computer you could theoretically use on a Raspberry Pi. I've plugged in a USB television dongle, one that allows it to be reprogrammed into a versatile receiver. After a little bit of programming, nothing too complex, I can now see waveforms and spectrograms of 2 MHz of bandwidth. I'm aiming to make this enclosed and self-contained, so I can take it with me in the field and use it as a pan adapter with my Yaesu 857D. So far it's cost me $38 for the Raspberry Pi, $15 for the SDR dongle. I'm waiting for a screen to come back in stock, but in the meantime, I've just plugged it into my monitor on my desk. It's only a little hack, but it was fun to do. I'm Ono, Victor Kilo 6, Foxtrot Lima Alpha Bravo. International news with thanks to IARU, RSGB, SARL, Southgate Amateur Radio Club, ARRL, Amateur Radio Newsline, NZART, and the worldwide sources of the WIA. I'm Jason, VK2LAW in Sydney, wishing you a safe and happy 2016. New handbands popping up around the globe. The Irish regulator Comreg is considering additional spectrum allocations to the amateur services in the bands 30 to 49 MHz and 50 to 70.5 MHz. The intent is to facilitate propagation beacons, digital amateur television repeaters and to align current allocations with those in the European Common Allocation Table. The 2015 Applied Electromagnetics Conference, AEMC 2015, was held at the Indian Institute of Technology, Assam, India, during the 18th to the 21st of December. The conference was organised by IEEE student branch, IIT Guwahati, in association with IEEE AP, MMT Chapter and others. As part of the program, there was an amateur radio panel discussion on how to communicate when conventional means fail in which Mr S. Ram Mohan, Victor Uniform 2 Mike Yankee Hotel, 
EVC and Director Nayer made a presentation on usefulness of amateur radio. There was a demonstration station of amateur radio with the special call sign 8 Tango 5 Alpha Papa Sierra operated by Victor Uniform 2 Mike Yankee Hotel and Victor Uniform 2 Juliet Oscar Sierra. The ARRL has complained to the FCC to allege illegal marketing of electronic RF lighting ballasts. Letters sent out this week to the FCC Enforcement Bureau and its Office of Engineering and Technology claiming Part 18 marketing regulations violations by Lowe's and by Walmart stores. At issue is the sale of non-consumer RF lighting ballasts to consumers who, in several instances, were told by store personnel that it was okay to install these in a residential setting. In addition, non-consumer and residential class ballasts are intermixed in store displays with inadequate signage to direct customers to the correct choice. Both letters asked the FCC to investigate and commence enforcement proceedings humanitarian fund launched by DX Association. It looks like the giving spirit of the holiday season is going to last quite a bit longer, thanks to a new fund known as Hams with Hearts. The fund is being launched by the International DX Association with a starting contribution from the fund's founder, Zoro Miyazawa, JH1AJT. Hams with Hearts aims to provide funding to humanitarian projects undertaken by de-expedition teams and expects to begin providing these grants in just a few weeks, as early as mid-January. De-expeditioners who apply for the grants are being asked to provide a detailed and clear plan of what project they plan to undertake and must substantiate the benefits the projects will create for the local population. But the applicants must meet certain standards, projects that simply leave behind radio equipment, teach amateur licensing classes, or create a video will not qualify. Projects that provide first aid equipment, water purification and medical supplies, as well as educational materials and clothing are more suited for grants from Hams with Hearts. And one final sad note. Longtime Newsline listeners will remember the voice of Mert Garlick in 6AWE. We're saddened to report that Mert became a silent key Wednesday, December 23rd. Mert was an engineer with Fox Television in Los Angeles from 1966 until his retirement in 2003. He worked with the late Bill Pasternak, WA6ITF, at Fox 11. Over the years, he did every job a broadcast engineer could perform at a television station, from manning the transmitter atop Mount Wilson to microwaving signals back from the scene of a breaking news story to covering the annual Tournament of Roses parade in Pasadena. Mert did it all, and then some. He'll be buried alongside his late wife in Wyoming. Sadly, she just passed four months ago. He survived by three children, two of which are also hams. Mert Garlick, N6AWE, was 75. Students at Sandringham School, St Albans, are expected to speak to Tim Peake abroad the International Space Station sometime during the period of the 5th to the 10th of January using the special event call sign GB1SAN. This is the first of several planned school contacts in the coming weeks. Three of the students have been trained by Verulam Amateur Radio Club to qualify them for their foundation licences. This contact should be the high point of the school's four-day festival of space. As part of the festival, members of the Verulam Club will be running a station from the school using the club's call sign, GX3VER. These stories from the RSGB and Amateur Radio Newsline. I'm editor Karen Eve Murray, KD2GUT, and you're listening to VK1WIA. From Australia, this is VK1WIA and the weekly WIA amateur radio news service on RF, internet streaming and text at wia.org.au.
Operational News on Felix VK for FUQ 2016. January Friday the 1st to Sunday the 31st WIA Ross Hull Memorial VHF UHF Contest. January 2, 2 till 3. The AWL really round up over the January 2 3 weekend is a veritable digital festival, so dust off those keyboards. In addition to conventional Bardo, really round up ops may use ASCII, mTOR, PSK31, and Packet. It's very easy to get on RIDI in other digital modes, and some late model transceivers even have RIDI and other digital capabilities built right into the radio. Participation in this annual operating event has grown along with the enthusiasm for digital modes, and newcomers are always welcome to join the fray. The 2016 AWL RIDI Roundup runs from 1800 hours UTC Saturday, January 2, through 2359 hours UTC Sunday, January 3 with operation on 80, 40, 20, 15 and 10 metres. Participants may operate 24 of the 30 available hours. US and Canadian stations send a signal report and state stroke province, while DX stations send a signal report and consecutive serial number, starting with 001. Then January Saturday the 9th and Sunday the 10th, it's the WIA's VHF UHF Summer Field Day. Special event stations, DX Beacon, Repeater and Net Advice. Coventry ARS has GB4BLC on the air from the 1st to the 10th of January for Bedworth Lions Club Awareness Month. This is to mark the work of Bedworth Lions Club and Lions Clubs International. GB4BLC will operate mainly on 40 metres SSB and 2 metres FM. Whilst at the zoo, hunting lions in the air is the annual event allowing members of the Lions organisation to make contact with fellow Lions via amateur radio. The event takes place on the 9th and 10th of January and commemorates the birth of Melvin Jones, the founder of Lions Clubs International, on the 13th of January. Contact your local Lions Club and invite them to participate in this event. As part of the Scotsman in Steam event, Bury ARS will be operating GB0ELR from Rawtonstall Station on the 9th, 10th, 16th and 17th of January. The two weekends will be the first opportunity for the general public to preview the Flying Scotsman engine in its wartime black livery, following its restoration. GW4DVB will be active as V25GB from Antigua, NA100 from the 6th to the 14th of January, with 100 watts into a vertical and multiband dipole. He plans to operate SSB only on the 40 to 6 metre bands. QSL to his home call sign GW4DVB. V25LK also from Antigua until the 10th of January on 20 to 10 metres with emphasis on CW. QSL to the home call OM3AG. E51TLA Rarotonga Island OC013 through January the 9th on the HF bands, mainly CW and Ritty on 30 and 20 metres. QSL via home call sign OZ6TL. F6ITD will be active as FG-F6ITD from Guadeloupe and two of its islands between January the 20th and March the 28th. These include the main island between January the 20th and February the 2nd and La Desirade Island between March the 3 and 8. He will work all HF bands both on SSB and in digital modes. Listen for the call sign TO6D. QSL virus home call sign F6ITD. Well, here we are in 2016. Happy New Year, everybody. For VK1 WIA National News, I'm Felix VK4FU Q Inningham.
Good morning, this is Robert VK3DN with this week's Worldwide Special Interest Group News. Worldwide Special Interest Group's ATV, where every pixel tells a story. That SSTV image we told you about here on last week's news was likely a prank. That slow-scan TV image that a Brazilian radio amateur reportedly received on the 13th of December from Fox 1A, that's AO85, was most likely a prank, not a sort of official attest of the satellite's SSTV capabilities. AMSAT Vice President for Engineering Jerry Buxton, N0JY, said the Robot 36 image which depicted a cartoon Fox and the legendary testing Fox 1A AO85 AMSAT satellite, was a terrestrial origin and transmitted via the AO85 satellite's transponder. I do not know who uplinked the signal, but it was a ground satellite, ground contact, and nothing to do with AO85. Worldwide Special Interest Group's Final Frontier, RS Postpone's anniversary SSTV event. The amateur radio on the International Space Station RS SlowScan TV event set for December the 26th and 27th has been postponed due to complications in planning, RS has announced. RS now is targeting mid-January as the next possible opportunity. This marks the 15th anniversary of continuous amateur radio operations on the International Space Station. The first ISS crew conducted its inaugural ham radio contact from NA1SS on November 2000. The first amateur radio on the International Space Station RS school contact took place on the following month. RS will post more information as it becomes available. Worldwide Special Interest Group's Radio Amateur Young Timers In one school in a remote Alaskan Eskimo village, ham radio has graduated with honours. With support from the local district, the pilot station school recently made amateur radio an integral part of its curriculum. The Pilot Station School Radio Club, WL7CXM, is now moving from simply being an after-school program to a serious during-school offering. The club was created by 5th grade teacher Don Gallon, KL7DG, with a variety of goals to teach geography, to help students command of the English language, and to give them confidence by expressing themselves on a microphone, and also to help them read and be more social. Gallon said, and I quote, Many of the kids are having trouble imagining the world beyond our region in Alaska as a whole. They are excited to pull down the globe off the shelf and find places we are talking and listening to. This has helped them in a social studies as well as getting the world view expanded by radio. End of quote. The club began as an informal after-school activity and is now a district-sanctioned educational program. The club has already participated in the School Club Roundup, where it achieved its Worked All States Award by landing its 50th contact and amateur radio in Oklahoma. Gallant said his next goal is to set up a team to work with the Amateur Radio Emergency Service. That would put Alaska's youngest amateurs not only in the classroom itself, but unquestionably at the head of the class. Worldwide Special Interest Group's Rescue Radio TARC Communication Support. There's a full program of communication support events that Townsville Hams can get involved with and have some radio fun. On the 28th of March, Warira, Yuri Gold Farmers Easter Carnival in Horse Endurance Rides, Bowen Region, then Weira again in June and August. In April, May, July and September, the TARC King of the Hill, Cl- Hill Climbs at Mount Stewart, and in June, the Kennedy Region Scouts Nighthawk Activity. 
Great to see some communications help coming out of VK4, well, down Townsville. And don't forget, Sunday mornings, the Wyson Queensland Net with VK4 IQ Net Control happens on 7075 kHz from 2230 UTC. New tool for disaster communications. It's still more than a year away, but researchers at Hume Centre for National Security and Technology are very excited about the 2017 launch of an amateur radio transponder with a special disaster mission. The geosynchronous satellite amateur radio payload is being dispatched to assist in emergency communications, according to the Centre's Director of Research, Bob McGuire, N4HY. McGuire describes the ambitious goals of the payload by, I quote, saying... It will allow rapid deployment to disaster areas and support long-haul communications for first responders, end quote. It would become the first amateur radio payload in a geosynchronous orbit. The Hume Centre has been working with the Federal Emergency Management Agency officials on the project and we expect to hear more over the next year as efforts go forward. Well, that's it. That's it for this year, 2015. Wishing you all the very, very best for 2016. This is Robert, VK3DN, reporting from Melbourne. And it's across to Clive with the worldwide special interest group, Radio Amateur Old Timers. Hello, everyone. On behalf of the Radio Amateurs Old Timers Club of Australia, I trust that you all had an enjoyable Christmas and that the new year will bring you good health and every happiness. Just a reminder that there is no RAOTC bulletin tomorrow. Our first bulletin for 2016 goes to air on Monday, February the 1st. So once again, best wishes to you all, and we look forward to catching up with you in February. Now to take us out of WIA and the National News Service, a look at the social scene in January. January 22 to 26 in VK4 Townsville Amateur Radio Club's Australia Day Long Weekend Family Radio Camp happens at the Girl Guides campsite, Blue Water. Now till next we meet, I'm Graham VK4BB. Walk softly. From Australia, this has been VK1WIA at wia.org.au.